Western world It is exploding Violence flaring Bullets loading You're old enough to kill But not for voting You don't believe in war But what's that gun you're toting And even the Jordan River has Bodies floating But you tell me Hello, and welcome back to 12 Minutes to Midnight, a Watchmen podcast, and Earth2.net, 12 issues, maxi-series, spectacular, fantabulous phenomenon. Yay! Because you demanded it. <laughs> we, <laughs> we did, did it. it! We got here! We made it! <laughs> I, yes. I'm, I'm Dan Toland, with me is Michael Sims. Sir, how are you this morning? I am doing well, and pardon me, I just looked at the cover of this issue. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this thing only cost fifty an issue. Yep, which back then was a lot of money. Yeah, back then, so 1987, what was the average price of a comic? Maybe a buck, buck and a quarter? Oh, no. At that point, it was probably 75 cents. Were we still at 75? Okay. I think we were still at 75 at that point. Yeah, Maybe even 60. Mm -hmm. Wow. Jeez. So, yeah, buck 50, I guess, would have been a lot, but oh, well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like double the price, but there's no ads and, you know. Right. So, so, and it was like a prestige. I don't know. It wasn't prestige format, right? It was like a regular, regular binding. Right. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. But, you know, it was... You know, it was a big book, and it was targeted to people that could afford a buck and a half for an issue. So, you know, mm-hmm. you weren't you weren't getting mm-hmm. this in the grocery store. <laughs> no, this wasn't something your mom threw at you to keep you quiet while she did her shopping. <laughs> let's hope not. Hey, let's hope not. It's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, here have a dose of nihilism with your Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> Worst hostess fruit pie ad ever. <laughs> yes. You've just killed half of New York. Half of hostess fruit pie. <laughs> I'm trying to save the world from nuclear annihilation, but I can't I cannot resist that flaky crust. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, and that's where we are with Chapter 12, A Stronger Loving World, cover dated October 1987. <laughs> oh, God, what is wrong with me? Um, <laughs> So we begin at the beginning, which is the cover, which is a river of blood flowing down, covering a... Uh, covering a clock, which is frozen at tw- uh, one minute to midnight. Easily one of the more iconic covers of the entire series absolutely yeah yeah and at this point if you're i mean at this point if you when you've been reading this book you should you're aware that the cover is panel one before page one mm-hmm. so the right. second you see this cover you're like you almost like don't even want to turn to the official first page because you know you're just going to be greeted with a horror show as indeed you are when you open the cover <laughs> And the camera has pulled back, and we are at Madison Square Garden at a Pale Horse concert, and it is there are hundreds of dead bodies uh, just piled on top of one another. Uh, blood is raining down the side of the wall. There's one person with a... Uh, I'm looking at the kind of second... Up top, the second from the right, mm-hmm. uh, who has a... Um, 
a giant gl- shard of glass that's to kind of impaled them. Oh and, yeah, yeah, you know. And this is this is, yeah, this is horrifying. Yeah, and I'm actually convinced, and I don't know what's making me convinced of this, but I'm convinced at least one person is is actually alive. Mm-hmm. If you go to all, all the way to the left, we have the shattered glass. The mm-hmm. next one over, there's the, the, the dude hanging out. There's one person mm-hmm. with the, like kind of grabbing the bar. Something oh, about yeah. that makes me think that person is alive and is buried <sighs> under all those bodies. Jesus. That that face always sticks with me. Yeah, that is... Yeah. It's actually hard for me to tell. Are his eyes open? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I see little pupils. So yeah, this is, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get too much better. When you uh, turn the page. <laughs> and now this is a... Now, pages two and three are a spread, right? I'm looking at this online, so it's actually hard to tell. I don't um, think so. No? I think there's supposed to be some sort of continuity. Because you're talking about that the tentacle, right? Like, it, it, the way the tentacle is, it sort of looks yeah. like it could be. But I'm not 100% convinced. I've wondered this, too. Okay. Yeah, it's actually a little difficult to tell, to be honest with you, just because of the way that it's structured. But at this point, yeah, we are in the streets of New York, and there's just more dead bodies piling into the streets. There's a tentacle, as Mike said, uh, sort of halfway out of the ground in front of a movie theater that was playing The Day the Earth Stood Still, You know, which is, of course, a, a classic movie about first contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, next to next to the tentacle at the bottom of page three is the uh, guy who's been selling watches. Yeah. You know, in page four and five, we kind of continue to see. Again, it's just it's just a panoramic view of just nightmarish dead body Palooza here. Um, uh-huh. you know, the tentacles are continuing to spread uh, throughout the throughout the city and we just see you know the cops you know that we've been following this whole time is up against his car uh, page five we get to see basically the aftermath of the fight between joey and her and her partner with uh, the lungs mm-hmm. are there and the the cab dispatcher and his brother i mean again it's hard to just just sit here and say and more of this and more of this but that's basically what it is it's just there to drill into us just how horrific this entire scene is and then on page six we get uh, a view of the squid monster itself um on top of the institute for spatial studies which as you said last time you know was probably a very deliberate choice on behalf of of Vite. oh absolutely and we see uh the news vendor who's kind of covering the kid that he's been hanging out with this entire series uh, and of course, they're both very dead, um, and we are greeted with a stronger, loving world. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mike, I mean, what is? I mean, these six pages that we've been looking, or seven, really, if you count the cover. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing as you as you see this just just panoramic view of of nightmare horror? This time around, you know, because we've really been analyzing it, I felt I've gotten to know. Mm-hmm all of the side characters a lot better like Joey and her girlfriend whose name we're still struggling, struggling to remember (laughs) like Dr. Long and and, and his (laughs) wife, you know? So now seeing them, and including the two Bernies laying there dead in the street together. Because remember, mm-hmm. we, we pointed out that they were embracing that older Bernie was trying to actually kind of protect younger Bernie when everything went mm-hmm. to hell last mm-hmm. issue. I, I'm i more connected mm-hmm. to 
the, the, the loss of them, you know, and, and, and just seeing mm. this, this horror show, it is, it is, it's grotesque. And that's exactly what they wanted us to feel, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. the lead up to seeing the giant squid monster thing. Yeah. We've seen hints of it. Cause we kept seeing that drawing a couple of times throughout. I think we've maybe seen it three or four mm-hmm. times to now fully see it. I, I it's, 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 mm-hmm. It's 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 so. There's no continuity to the monster, if you know what I mean. There seems to be no logic to it, mm-hmm. which gives it the the, right. the alienness that Vite was going for, you know, and the build up to it. Seeing a tentacle on page one, tentacle on page two, and then finally get to page six. Here it mm-hmm. is, and all its multicolored goriness is is shocking. So I guess mm-hmm. that's what I'll say. What about you? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that the fact that we've been spending so much time actually kind of paying attention to who these people are gives us a real, it's a real gut check to see, uh, or gut punch, I should say, when you kind of see all these people kind of lying in twisted heaps covered in blood on the street. And you get to see on page six when we actually get to see the squid and all of its glory here. And you kind of see that they really kind of went to town on this guy. Um, you know, this has been designed to be as horrifying as possible. Um, I mean, there's, you know, the weird colors and the tentacles and I mean, there's definite, I mean, there's definite unmistakable sexual imagery in the facial features, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, which of course, you know, if you're going to kind of make people feel uneasy, that's an old trope, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, this, this, this squid, (laughs) well, I was going to say this squid did what it was designed to do, but you know, of course that was, you know, to explode and, you know, kill all these people. But it also does its job in just being very unsettling in and of itself, even without the uh, the carnage surrounding it. And again, when you're just kind of breezing through this book, it's very easy to just kind of skim over these six pages. Right. And say, yep, a lot of dead people. All right, let's get on to the rest of the, rest of the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of glad that we're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, on to the rest of the story. We- yeah. <laughs> well, before we get to before we get to page seven, there's there's something we got to point out on page six. We see the back of the Black Freighter comic, mm. the Vite method. I will give you mm-hmm. bodies beyond your wildest imaginings. Jesus! Like, and considering he just killed three million New Yorkers, yeah, he gave us bodies beyond our wildest yeah. imaginings. He did. He, <laughs> he did. did. It did what it said on the tip. Yeah, it did happen. You know? That did happen. Good job, Adrian. Mm-hmm. And also, again, right below yeah. that is the uh, kind of the top of the charging station, which has kind of been blown off, and you see the the plug on that charging oh, station. Oh, yeah, it has the blood smear on it to make it look like the like the the smiley face button. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, how did the button get there? Like, what's it doing? I didn't realize it was the plug, but you're absolutely right. Because yeah, you can see the uh, the charging station in the background, kind of with its top blown off. There, I've never noticed that bite method ad before. That is wild. Yeah, that's that is absolutely wild. Yeah, it's an amazing way to get that little joke in there throughout the entire series. Like, oh, we're comic readers, we know what it's referencing, but right. now at the end, it has this unfortunate double meaning. So on page seven. Uh, we see that Laurie and John have arrived, and Laurie is understandably overwhelmed by the whole thing. And John is very curious and interested in what's happening. <laughs> you know, notices, oh, we've gotten here a little later than I thought we were going to. Clearly, the tachyon particles have, you know, kind of made everything so weird and difficult to foresee. And so clearly, this obviously, this wasn't the warhead detonation I thought it might be. <laughs> 
uh, to go, oh, this is so exciting. I don't know. I'm uncertain. I can find things out. And fa-. he's like, <laughs> and Laurie's just, you know, just, just overwhelmed by the entire experience. Because, I mean, this is, this is just, just the most horrifying thing anybody's ever seen. You know, Laurie's putting a very human face on the, on the whole experience. We'll, we'll see it here, and she'll talk about it later, too. These people just went out for dinner. They just went out for tandoori. She keeps focusing on the tandoori, you know, and, and as you said, it's putting a human face on it. Okay, so we're moving now to page eight, and John is kind of in full-blown Reed Richards mode right now. You know, he's, he's just taking all of this in and, and looking at it all very dispassionately. Yes, I see there's tachyon particles. They're going backwards in time, which is something that doesn't happen. So clearly that's something that's being generated by a person. Um, I could find the source of the disturbance, but there's static and... Uh, let's see, you know, <laughs> going from this region and, you know, we should, we should, you know, go to the Antarctic because that seems to be where it's coming from. It may, it may be connected to this sort of catastrophe. Uh, and Lori's just like, John, I need to not be here. This is, this is horrifying. This is horrible. This is terrible. Just make it go away. <laughs> and John, <laughs> just, oh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this this must be this must be terrible. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, yes, we can go. Right. <laughs> I can continue my observation from somewhere else. Yeah, this this really just drives home what he was saying to her on Mars, I think it was. Maybe it was just earlier in the series at the very least that a dead body is no different than a living body to him. You know, and and yeah, I think Reed Richards mode is, is the perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> thing to call this. Yeah, he's just he's just going into investi- like investigative scientist mode mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a really interesting problem they seem to be facing. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this happened. You know, we can you know this is yeah endlessly speculating about you know whatever, and he's just not bearing in mind the fact that they are standing literally standing on a pile of dead bodies mm-hmm. and. There's something that rereading this this issue for this show finally filled in. I'm going to put this in major air quotes plot hole for me. Yeah. Later on, when Lori has a gun, I'm like, where the hell did Lori get a gun? We never mm-hmm. saw her use a gun, pick up a gun. No, it's right here in panel three. Mm-hmm. That's she. She takes the cop's gun, and she doesn't mm-hmm. know what she, how she's going to use it later on because she's just not sure where they're going, who they're going to meet. You know, but like, I'm almost convinced she might even be thinking about using it on herself, not to get grim Mm -hmm. like that. Because she, again, like I said, she doesn't know where they're going. But I'm like, oh yeah, there's the gun she has later on. Because that always kind of like pissed me off. I'm like, they they made a mistake. Where'd she get Mm -hmm. that? (laughs) (laughs) And then a couple of things in the bottom right panel. After John teleports them away, of course, we can see the 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 Hiroshima graffiti. Mm-hmm. On the wall, like exactly where John and you know, the lovers were standing. Yeah. And then um, I think that's Joey's body. If you look at the streak and you can consider the motif of it supposed to be the clock, now the mm-hmm. hand's past midnight. It's reset itself. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah. thought I'd, I don't know if that's meant to mean anything, but it definitely the, the lover's shadow being where John and Lori were standing two panels prior is definitely them doing their symbolism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so on page nine, um, you know, R- Rorschach is challenging <laughs> Adrian to a fight. <laughs> oh. uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Dan is just trying to wrap his head around 
this whole story. He, he just mm. he just doesn't you know this just does not compute for him. Yeah, you know this is ridiculous. Obviously, this is this is nonsense. What what's actually happening? And you can almost hear Adrian's eyes roll. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, again, made a monster, <laughs> gave it a psychic brain, teleported to New York, killed half the city. <laughs> what I love, Alan Moore, brilliantly using just a couple of words here, summed up where we are right now, right? Yeah, yeah. But he spent an entire issue doing that. <laughs> he just took the entirety of, of issue 11 and just went, whoop, now it's panel two on page nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I understand we needed it really fleshed out to see what Adrian's plan was. And I mean, I'm just taking the piss here, but mm-hmm. that's a good, that, that's good writing by Alan Moore to take an entire issue and to condense it down into literally one word balloon. Yeah. And Rorschach believes him. He's like, look, listen, listen to what he's saying. Listen to the tone of his voice. He is completely serious. Yeah. Bite, get rid of the cat. <laughs> <laughs> and Bite's just like, no, her being here is what's stopping me from kicking your ass again. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't think I said this prior. So Rorschach then responds with her. And he's known for saying herm. Yeah. He doesn't do it as much as people think he does throughout this entire series. No, he doesn't. I wish I had been counting, but I didn't think to because I'm like, of course, he's going to say it a lot. I He maybe says it, you can maybe count it on one hand the number of times he says it. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. the fact that he doesn't say Herm here just, <laughs> just kind of reminded me of that. He's just kind of growling at him, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And and Dan says no. This this story is ridiculous. It, it's just there's too much that could have gone wrong. You know, what if you know during your quote unquote assassination attempt, what if he'd gotten you instead of your secretary? And he says, well, I guess I would have had to catch that bullet then, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and and Dan is like, that sounds ridiculous, but no, wait, <laughs> no. <laughs> And that smug little grin on Adrian's face in, in, in panel seven. Yeah, like, okay, we know it's really happened. Rorschach believes it. Daniel doesn't want to believe it at all. But Adrian is not helping here by saying, oh, yeah, I could catch a bullet. He's, he's like, he's teasing Dan kind of just to tease him. But he's not actually helping Dan believe all this stuff that's that's actually happened because he's teasing him, or is he? You know. Yeah. But I, you're right. That smug little smile is just like you just want to smack him. Yeah. Not even for the three million people he killed for yeah. that. Just this moment right here. You know? yeah. <laughs> and on page ten, little thing before I even start with you, I'm just looking at this first panel and that the the the, the way that that hood on Daniel's cloak. Should not fit over the hood on his costume. Oh, you're right. It's yeah. like a total Silver Age Batman disguise thing going on there, <laughs> where he's got a mask on over his Batman mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. But Dan still doesn't buy it. He's just, just mm-hmm. no. This is stupid. You wouldn't. You wouldn't do this. Even if you could do this, you would not do this. And he's like, you know, and now he's ready to explain his master plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know, you know, I I got the the 
brain of a psychic. They cloned it. They made it much bigger. Uh, we filled it with terrible, terrible information that it would just transmit upon the moment of death. You know, we, we plugged it full of, you know, the writer describing the alien world, the artist, you know, all of her images and, you know, you know, all these people that would have, you know, just died by the shock. So many more will just be go crazy from all of this information going into their heads. You know, uh, in, you know, the earth has met, you know, this terrible, terrible thing that has to be fought against. You know, we have to team up to fight against whatever this giant alien squid is a harbinger of. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've made sure nobody else knows. Nobody who's not in this room knows about any of this. Everybody's dead. Um, you know, my, my you know, I, I killed my servants. Um, you know, you know, this, this, is, this is the perfect plan. And Dan's just like, oh, what about us? <laughs> <laughs> and Adrian's just like... Oh yeah, yeah. I gotta figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and Babastus, you know, kind of draws his attention to the screen where he sees that John and Laurie have teleported outside his uh, stately pleasure dome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you think of this plan? I mean, obviously, it's you know, it's the giant squid plan. He killed half New York. It's, it's almost like a you know, we just take it for granted at this point. But here is he's actually like kind of laying it all out. There's just so many moving parts here. Mm-hmm. Like, does this, like, do anything for you? Does it, like, do you roll your eyes at it? Do you think it's genius? I mean, do you have any kind of a reaction to it at all? As a comic book reader, mm-hmm. and because superhero comic books, no matter how you slice it, even Batman and Daredevil, there's there's tend to be somewhat down-to-earth are at their core science fiction comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, like even Spider-Man, that's not a science fiction comic. Well, how did he get his powers? Through some right. bullshit science fiction accident, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I can go along with this. Okay. I, I can really go along with, I gathered all this crazy, all these crazy images, sounds, stories, and put them in a psychic bomb. That psychic people and people who are just sort of sensitive across the world will be feeling for decades, pretended an alien invaded us. I can go with it. In the world that is Watchmen, and again, because I am a comic book, superhero comic book reader for my entire life, I can go with it. But as I've said before, and you know, not to really get ahead of ourselves, I do prefer what they did in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because that world's a little different. And because at the time when that movie came out, we were in a different place in our world. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm okay with this. What about you? I'm kind of right there with you. If I kind of stand aside and look at it just completely objectively, this is a crazy, batshit, nonsense plan. Yeah. But, again, as a comic book reader, this is the ultimate example of, oh, my God, Lex Luthor's ridiculous master plan worked. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is somebody that's steeped in the lore, writing this, and just coming at it from the perspective of, what if he was actually able to make it happen? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you know, finally, Cobra Commander's ridiculous scheme <laughs> <laughs> has actually come to fruition and you know it didn't just collapse under the weight of how stupid it is Mm -hmm. you know there actually was some 
thought and planning behind it, and somehow it actually did work. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at it from that level, like from that perspective, I think it works. Mm-hmm. Although I will agree with you, ultimately, I do believe that the ending in the movie works a little better. Mm-hmm. If only because for a wider audience, it's a lot less what the fuck. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, we all know that, you know, everybody says Watchmen is the comic that, like, everybody's read or everybody should read. We, there's mm-hmm. Like, you and I come from the point of you don't start someone with Watchmen. <laughs> That's, sure. You kind of got to know comics before you can read Watchmen. But mm-hmm. if if there's anybody out there who their first comic or a very early comic for them was Watchmen, I'd like you to write in either, you know, go to the forums, Earth underscore two. For me, Dan, your Urban Spaceman. Urban Spaceman 61. 61, or go to the earth2.net forums, forums.earth-number2.net, and let us know what you thought of this moment, how this works for you. Because if you're, because to me, this is the ultimate, quote unquote, deconstructing comics moment. Going from exactly what you said, this is Lex Luthor have, coming, coming up with a crazy plan, and actually it worked. And if you don't have that foundation, how, how, does, how does this work for the, I hate to say lay reader, but I, I got to use the term, it's just when it comes to comics. I'm sure. really fascinated because, like, if for us it works, but what about other people who, who are superhero comics aren't their thing, you know? Though, because uh, we, we, we didn't need this ultimately because we, we need to really start getting to the end here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, like, Dan to have been like, they're psychics? Like, because there are, because <laughs> John is supposed to be the only person that has any sort of. I mean, he has a superpower that would be, I don't know how you would des- describe a psychic in the, in, the, in, the, in the Watchmen universe, you know, but that should be another thing that makes Dan not believe it, is him right. going, but there aren't psychics. And Adrian could just blow it off and be like, oh, Daniel, grow up. Or <laughs> open your mind, throw in some Alan Moore snake magic qu- quote or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but anyways, I just want to add that last little piece there. Absolutely. Okay, so on page 11, we are now outside of Adrian's base and, you know, John is once again just kind of, oh, right, of course it was Adrian. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's got the money and he's got the intelligence. He's the one that can do this. Um, you know, he's got all these, you know, eight generators throughout Antarctica. He's got satellites in orbit. He's clearly been coming up with this for a very long time. Um, and obviously because tachyons only affect me, <laughs> he knew <laughs> that this was the way he could get me to not interfere with his plan. Meanwhile, Lori's throwing up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you remember, this was a very long time ago, Doctor Who's City of Death. At the very end, right? They're at the, you know, they're at the, you know, four billion years ago, whatever it is. And they're about to watch uh, Marcus Brody take off in his spaceship. And the doctor is, you know, oh, we've gone back in time and he's, you know, been splintered across time. And I'm explaining everything that you've seen in the four episodes thus thus far. Uh-huh. And, you know, this is thing, and here's the science and here's the magic and here's what's going on. And we have to stop him because of this and that and the other thing. And then Duggan, the police officer, goes up and says, that's a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's what Lori's doing here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent call. You yeah. are so right. 
John is now we just explaining hear the... what's been happening. <laughs> and Laura says, wait a minute, this is Adrian's place. <laughs> All we needed was her to walk up behind Adrian instead of what she's going to do later, just hit him with the butt of her gun. Yeah. <laughs> no big fight, just clunk. Yeah. And uh, the tachyons are messing John up because he's somehow talking to Laurie and Rorschach at the same time, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, kind of a cool thing. A cool idea. Yeah, yeah. And page he's twelve having, is. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was interrupting. I was just saying, like, you know, he's he, we're kind of kind of seeing how John being John works in a way mm-hmm. that we don't often because this is messing up so much. He's kind of having to experience two conversations simultaneously. So, yeah, so John just kind of lets himself inside and leaves Jory, uh, Lori outside. Um, which, you know, Adrian can... Oh, oh dear. <laughs> look, at, look at panel seven. You can hear Lori. <laughs> There's no word balloons for her. She is just <laughs> raging at John in that moment. Yeah. She, she is. That is every every ounce of anger she's ever held back about him. Just <laughs> that is so brilliant. It is. And he's just like, "Well, we better go." So on page two, he's you know, all right, Babastus, let's let's go on, and, and Rorschach is. Trying to explain to John what's happening. Of course, John already knows. And finishing the conversation that he just had with Lori. Mm. You know, and Dan points out that John is, is just off. He's, he's, mm-hmm. There's something wrong with you. You seem like you're drugged. You know. And you know, we're, we're building up the fact that John is, is just very confused right now. The tachyons are really messing him up. So he's having a really hard time with basically keeping his shit straight on panel five you know Lori's making her way through the uh snowed over vivarium and, and trying to mm-hmm. trying to walk across antarctica in a in a mini skirt essentially uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah yeah but what were you gonna say okay if you go back to page 11 mm-hmm uh, and this works great if you have a digital edition. So yeah. if you're doing, but if you have a paper edition, this could work too. Look at panel three and panel mm-hmm. four, and then go to page twelve. They're the same Ooh, in, in terms yeah. of John, and it's the oh same dialogue, God, yeah, and everything. Now they have to change the the word balloons from page eleven to twelve because Lori's speaking. So uh-huh. John's word balloons go from top right down, and then they shift over to be you know next to each other instead of stacked on top of each other. But John's position and everything he's saying is the exact same in panels three and four of both those two pages. I, I because am, he's I experiencing, am, as you said, those moments at the exact same time. He's talking to Lori and Rorschach and vice versa at the exact same moment. Yeah, I, I am doing this by a digital Kindle edition. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of scrolling back and forth between those two pages and it's just like a, a gif. Right, yeah, it's it's like when he was building his monument on Mars, yeah. and you had those those pages that just stacked up, and oh my god, as you say, it was like a gif of the thing just erecting. Yeah, I mean, on page thirteen, he's John has followed Vite into his laboratory, I guess, mm-hmm. and this is a very Jack Kirby laboratory. It is. You're right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he's, you know, he's calling him. He's like, look, I don't know where I'm going to find you, but this is, you know, I, I, you know, I, he mentions he could turn everything into glass and just see him immediately. 
you're being stupid. The tachyons were clever, but this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and oh, you can call them that twice too. Yeah, and you, you can almost even see like the 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 light bulb turned on in his head, where he's like, this, you know, this isn't like you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he sees Babastis inside the the famous dead watchmajig. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I guess we'll, we'll I guess we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he walks into the Framistat, which make gig while Lori is walking into the portal door tunnel thing into the fortress proper. Mm-hmm. And Adrian has used on page 14. He's used his cat as bait to uh, to kill Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> so we so we, we we hate Vite at this point. Yeah, I mean he killed three three million people already, yeah. but uh, you know now he's killed his cat just to get at yeah. another guy. Yeah, hmm. uh, and John is just ripped apart in a very similar way to um, back in was it issue four five? I. Four, I think, yeah. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. Sorry, fellas, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, so John is is being ripped apart by the by the intrinsic field subtractor <laughs> with the <laughs> with the Batcave uh, label and everything. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what's fascinating in the in the panel that replicated his original death, you can see he's still got internal organs. Yes, and that that's an interesting thing. Like, because technically John probably wouldn't need those, mm-hmm. but yeah. So I don't know. It's, for me, I just take away from that uh, that he is still technically human. Right. You know, well, you know, the first thing he did, and of course we'll see that later, was, was you know he rebuilt himself system by system. Oh, that's right. I forgot about because that. Yeah, that's, yeah. This is this is what a, a person looks like. So this is what he did. Uh huh. Um, you're right. He absolutely does not need any of those things. Mm-hmm. But he's putting himself back together, so he's doing it the only way he knows how, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you know, he you put the gears in the order that they go in. <laughs> right. Yeah. The watchmaker. Wow. Right. Yeah. You know. Good call. And, you know, oh, like, and it looks like a nuclear blast. I never noticed that either. It does. Like the, it? the middle, then it mushrooms up. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And I says, well, didn't know that was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he kind of pats himself on the back for, you know, coming up with the idea of the tachyons to confuse him. Uh, and then on page 15, you know, he's so busy patting himself on the back that Lori's able to sneak up on him. <laughs> and you know he, he kind of starts the the kung fu Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're getting all kinds of bigger on the inside here today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Laurie shoots him. Um. And he, you know, he goes down, and his hands are all bloody. <laughs> and then on page 16, his hand opens up, and he caught the bullet. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And uh, in so doing, Lori wanders to him close enough that he's able to just kick her in the stomach. Mm-hmm. At which point he says, okay, I wasn't sure that was going to work either. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan is just, if you've hurt her, I swear. I, <laughs> and they just, just, just stop. <laughs> and not, stop it. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Before we we move on, uh, can we go back to page 15 real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Again, me rereading too many things in this. Look at the final panel, okay? Mm-hmm. Flip it 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That is the blood... That's the blood streak going down the button, but from a different angle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if... Uh, you know, I mean, again, reading too much into this stuff, but... Sure. That, that ang- he could have chosen a completely different angle, but if you flip it, it's it's it lines up perfectly with the, the original splat and then the drip. His arm would be the drip. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, on page 17, we're kind of getting more of his, his, you know, vision of the future. You know, you know, putting on a mask and beating up bad guys doesn't... hasn't actually solved anything. Nobody likes you. You smell funny. You know, the future is going to require big, bold strokes of heroism. Nothing that you've done has ever amounted to anything or has counted. Or, oh shit, Dr. Manhattan's breaking through the giant window and reaching towards me. <laughs> what I love about this is that John isn't one for theatrics. Right. <laughs> but he is pissed off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because even though that clearly, you know, didn't work, that doesn't mean it didn't hurt or anger him or whatever, you know. But I love panel two. Mm-hmm. Lori starts to notice yeah. John. She's looking out the window before anybody else sees what's coming at them. <laughs> that look on Dan's face in, in panel three. Yeah. Just that open mouth gap astonishment. <laughs> yeah, that is so good. That is great. And of course, he's the um, only one that screams when John breaks through the window. Oh, you're right. That is him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would like to note the, the imagery in panel four. Mm-hmm. You've got, and we're, we're going to get to this in a little bit. Vite might be the smartest man on the planet Earth, mm-hmm. but John is still a, a towering god above him. Right. And panel four really reflects that. It just shows how small Adrian is. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's achieved world peace. Maybe he hasn't. But there's still someone that could achieve so much more if he so chose. Right. Including taking him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And on page 18, he's actually talking down to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of starts with a, I am, this is, this is, <laughs> I am very disappointed. <laughs> you know, putting myself back together is literally the first thing I did when I got zapped the first time. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you know, you absolutely 100% do not impress me. <laughs> I am not intimidated by you i am not impressed by you you're just you're just some guy mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know vite is kind of scrambling for his his remote control and you know john just wants to know is that the other, another ultimate weapon <laughs> and vice says yeah you could say that and he's he's turned on his his tv screens and 
it's just screen after screen after screen of news reports talking about how horrible everything is. Millions of people are dead. Uh, just, just these terrifying snippets of, you know, stories, you know, <laughs> a pregnant woman convinced her unborn child was eating her, you know, <laughs> just, uh-huh. oh, it's just, it's horrible. You know, we have no comment. We don't know what's going on. Is it another, is it alien from another dimension? Everyone's dead. Everyone's crazy. There's so many dead kids here. Um, but through all of this noise, we're getting reports that all the other countries are, are calming the fuck down. They're backing down. They're rolling things back. They are, you know, we're going to suspend what we're doing until we figure out what's going on. And, you know, we'll, do, we'll have a summit. We'll have a, um, you know, we'll talk about this. We've got your back, America. You know, this is a terrible time, and, you know, we're, you know thoughts and prayers, folks, but also mm. we're not going to drop the bomb on Afghanistan today. Mm-hmm. And Adrian lets himself kind of have his moment of triumph. Right in front of the painting that inspired him, too. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And something I've never thought about before is, why did Adrian trigger it? At 11.25. Right. And watching this page, excuse me, reading this page, made me go, we have to think about when this was written and when it was set. Mm -hmm. Pre the 24-hour news cycle. Yes. Pre the internet. By triggering it at 11.25 at night, Mm -hmm. America would wake up to this having already been a fact. Because most of America, at least East Coast and maybe even Midwest, are asleep. They're not necessarily going to mm-hmm. see this in real time. But by doing it, we'll just use, because they mentioned the BBC 2 in panel 1 here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on, uh, um, what do you call it, the, the daylight savings time, England mm-hmm. is five to six hours ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So if he triggers it at 11.25, the Beeb is going to start covering it around five or six in the morning. So that's going to be the whole news day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like for for and so other countries who are further east, it's it's going to be later in the day for them. So it's important that Europe see this happening first thing mm-hmm. in the morning, so that mm-hmm. they can calm the fuck down. So and America will wake up to the nightmare, and ha- and the world will already be patting us on the back, and as you said, giving us the thoughts and prayers, and mm-hmm. hopefully de-escalating World War Three. And also at 11:25 in New York and on the East Coast, the 11 o'clock news is still on. Mm. So on the East Coast, this is happening in real time on the news on the East Coast. I'm so used to the news being 10 o'clock here that you're right. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because everything's early in Chicago. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) Well, we try to keep up with New York. Who wants to watch primetime shows at 7 o'clock? You know, we're still doing our dishes from there. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm But yeah, so I mean, in New York, I mean, obviously in New York, this has happened. There's probably nothing actually happening in the New York TV station right then, Mm -hmm. right there. But, you know, all the other East Coast cities are in the middle of their newscast. Like like right now, you know, you know, Chuck Bradley with sports is kind of doing his thing. (laughs) Except, no, we have to cut right now to New York because holy shit, dude. Yeah. And is Chuck Chuck Bradley a real sports guy or did you make that up? No, that's just a... Very sports guy type of name that I came up with. Hey, 
Because I was going to say, because that was perfect. I was hoping you made it up. Because <laughs> <laughs> who's the one from the Superman comics that always picks on Clark? Steve Lombard. Steve, uh, yeah, another one right there. That's yeah. a... <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure he, he wound up selling cars, too, if I remember right. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so on page 20, he's just in full-blown supervillain mode at this point. You know he's he's oh. got great plans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's he's quoting Ramses. You know, Canaan is devastated. Ashkelon has fallen. You know all of that. Israel is desert, and her seed is no more. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, what? What? What's this next bullshit? <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you mean you've got plans for what comes next? <laughs> and and Adrian points out like. You know, are you going to, you know, arrest me and expose me for what happened and then immediately destroy the peace that all these people died for? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you kill me and then people, you know, the investigation start, this comes forward and all of this comes undone again. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so, you know, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to compromise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Joss says, well, logically, he's right. <laughs> you know, if we expose him, we could destroy what this has done, and, and things could actually get worse much, much, much more quickly than he was, he was even going to. Mm-hmm. If we're going to preserve the life that you you know just got finished explaining to me was so important, we got to keep this to ourselves. And... Lori and Dan are both like, holy shit, you're right, I guess, um, I guess, I guess, yeah, we, we say nothing. Mm-hmm. And Rorschach, <laughs> being Rorschach, <laughs> <laughs> says, you, you guys are fucked, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, no, 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 we're not going to compromise. <laughs> this is, this mm-hmm. is, he killed a whole bunch of people and he has to, he has to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Dan says, we we have to compromise, and he just kind of goes all all Mister A on us, and not even in the face of Armageddon, never compromise. As he walks out, uh, can we talk about some things on this page, and maybe a yeah. one thing on page nineteen? Sure. Some some of the coloring and some of the things in the background here. If we can go back to page nineteen, mm-hmm. the bottom panel, we have an orange or excuse me, yellow circle. Yeah. Again, it's the button, it's the clock, mm-hmm. and Adrian's arms are probably like what maybe five to midnight there yeah about that yeah so i just never noticed that before that they're they're Mm. again doing the clock motif but more importantly on page 20 if you look at panel five when Mm -hmm. um laurie starts to agree that oh god this Mm -hmm. might be a thing we have to do there starts to be red on her go to the next panel when daniel's agreeing now there's red on her his hand Mm -hmm. there's there's blood Mm -hmm. on their hands yeah because before that, there's no red on them. It's like the purples and the blues, I think. Or mm-hmm. it, whether that's red or orange, I can't tell the difference. You'd have to tell me. But all of a sudden, they're they're putting that that hue on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And we literally have Adrian with blood on his hands after he gets shot and throughout the rest of this issue. Yeah, you know. And one other thing in panel five, if you look above Dan, the first TV screen underneath Glory's word balloon, uh-huh. I know it's supposed to be a news reporter with their hands on their heads, but it looks mm-hmm. like see no evil as they're realizing that mm. they can ever. Talk. No, they should have done speak no evil, but they they have to hide what they're yeah. doing. Oh wow, yeah. 
Huh. That is, that's, yeah, that's a really good observation. I like that. Adrian makes a lame joke about blotting out reality. And, you know, Adrian says, look, I, nobody's going to believe him. <laughs> I'm not worried about Rorschach. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go in this other room and think about things. You should just do whatever you feel like you need to do. <laughs> you know, make yourselves at home. We have restrooms. Uh, you know, you know, and he says you must both make yourselves at home. And they notice he says both, and John is gone. <laughs> and. Yeah, I mean, Lori and Dan are just kind of left on their own trying to deal with everything that's just happened in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to, you know, straighten our heads out. We got to figure this out. We should probably talk. Where's John? I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know how to talk to him. He makes no sense and everything's all screwed up and holy shit, all those dead people, you know. This is so above our pay grade. <laughs> you know, out of our depth, here's the pool. <laughs> oh, never caught that. Yeah. Wait a minute. She, she's like, he's been acting so strange. He predicted I'd tell him about you and me, then seemed angry when I did. Um, how angry? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got a thing going with Superman's ex. Uh, is he going to come after me or what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Page 22 is basically them falling into each other because they don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed. They're grief stricken. They're everything is the worst thing ever. So they just need to find comfort in each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, they're they're talking, but that's basically what this is. Yeah, and I I like this because we, I mean, we needed this, and more was smart enough to put it here, but we needed to kind of reset the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 had their superheroics. They they you know they tried to have sex, and they had their superheroics, and they did have sex, and they seemed happy. Mm-hmm. Then the world nearly ended, and then Lori went off to Mars with John. <laughs> she went off mm-hmm. to Mars with her ex. You know, yeah. and. Daniel wasn't sure of his place with her. She didn't mm-hmm. know her place in the world. And this is, as you said, it's just them falling into each other's arms. And it's it's a really great one page of just the creative team, like I said, resetting two mm-hmm. characters that, that we know are meant to be together. And they will help each other through this. Right. And so on page 23, we get Rorschach and he's... <laughs> ostensibly going to dig out his Segway and get back to the Al ship and drive back to America. <laughs> and sure. you know, yeah, exactly. In, I mean, he knows what's coming. He's not oh, stupid. Yeah. You know, he's not yeah. stupid. You know, as John, you pointed out, he knew how to remote control the thing earlier. So I think that was an issue 10 or maybe it was 11, but yeah, so you're right. Yeah. He absolutely knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. But I, what I'm saying is he knows what's coming now. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, you know, John follows him out and says, you know, where are you going? He's, I'm going back. I'm going to tell everybody what happened. Evil must be punished. And John just says, I, I, you know, I can't allow that to happen. And on page 24, um, you know, Rorschach kind of says, of course, we must protect 
you know, we must protect the new utopia. One more body amongst foundations makes no difference. And he takes off, he takes off his mask and he's kind of goads John into killing him. Um, but he takes off his mask and he dies as Walter. Yeah. And then John explodes the fuck out of him. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, turns around and walks away. Yeah, when you read this for the first time, what'd you think about Rorschach's death here? Or even now, maybe not even the first time, but yeah, even now. Honestly, I'm not sure I remember the first time because I think I actually oh. saw the cuz you know when you're, you're in the store looking at the the book and you're flipping through it. I'm pretty sure I saw this page while like before uh. I even bought the book. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's 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 a very sad moment. It is you know, he is resigned to what's about to happen he can't let himself compromise right because if he compromises then he betrays everything that he's ever stood for ever from the beginning of his career Uh he he Uh just he just does not have the ability to not do that he has you know you know black is you know a is a good is good evil is evil there is no gray area Uh and so there is nothing that he can do but follow his code and go back to America and say Adrian invites the one that did this. Mm-hmm. But I think on some level he also knows that that's the worst thing he could do. Right. So the only way that this could possibly end, the only ending that this can have, is that John has to kill him mm-hmm. to to make to make all those deaths worth you know, mean something. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, it it gets me every single time, and it, it comes down mostly to panel three on this page. Yeah, where you see Walter's been crying this whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's crying because he knows he's about to die, mm-hmm. if he's crying because, as everything you just said, he knows he can't compromise, mm-hmm. even though internally he knows that's the right thing to do, or if he's crying because the three million people in his city were. Slaughtered. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, we're actually seeing Walter express an emotion like this mm-hmm. for the first time since I think we might have seen him crying when he was a kid and he was getting beaten up. Yeah, we did. We see Rorschach expressing emotions mm-hmm. he was repressing mm-hmm. for Lord knows how long because of so many different, you know, internal and external factors. Yeah. You know, and it, it is really just seeing this tough guy character. With so much, so many tears on his face, it's it's heartbreaking, yeah. utterly heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. So on page twenty-five, John walks back in. There's still all kinds of news coverage going on because obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know they, they, you know, you see people who think that they are, you know, experts in the field, just sort of. Talking to the camera because that's what they, <laughs> that's what they do. Uh, John walks in. He sees Dan and Lori in the aftermath of uh, <laughs> you know needing to feel something, <laughs> and he smiles. Yeah, he smiles and walks on water away from them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, page twenty six, he walks up a wall. He walks through the ceiling and, and makes his way to 
Adrian's meditation chamber. And they're going to talk. I do like the visual of John walking through the ceiling slash floor mm-hmm. in panel three. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took me a while to understand that that's actually what he was. I mean, obviously he was walking up the wall in the panel before that, mm-hmm. but that, you know, he was walking up, you know, through a floor that that's just a neat visual. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, he he could just teleport. It's John, you know, mm-hmm. but he, he decided to, ta- to, to, to take a stroll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the fact that, I love panel six where he comes up through the floor, but then he uses the the left wall to pivot himself, mm-hmm. like to to just make that little turn to, yeah. to give himself some balance. Just it's just a little human thing. Like if you could walk through a wall, maybe that's how you would get balance on the floor. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't walk through walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so Adrian basically. Wants us to feel bad for him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's, look, I know that, you know, everybody's horrified by what I just did. I know that, you know, I want you to know that I am aware of all these people that I killed and I feel really bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've struggled across the backs of murdered innocents to save humanity. But someone had to do it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, John mentions that, you know, you don't have to worry about Rorschach. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I don't condone or condemn. You know, human affairs are not my concern. I'm I'm bugging out. <laughs> and, you know, Adrian points out that the, he, you know, he just regained some interest in human life. And John suggests that maybe he'll go, he'll go make some. Uh, and Adrian wants him to tell him that he did good. You know, did I, I did the right thing. Did I do, you know, did it all work out in the end? And John just says, nothing ends, Adrian. And he disappears. <laughs> That's such a baller move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving reality with, <laughs> with a cryptic answer. Fuck you, John. <laughs> you know, he like, like walks into his uh, Eye of Agamotto Mm-hmm. planetarium thing here <laughs> and disappears with a, a little puff of like a add a, like a mushroom cloud from the inside uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and Adrian's just kind of left alone with his thoughts yeah that is where I feel bad for Adrian mm-hmm. not the pity me you'll yeah. feel every death yeah. you know it's like oh shit I actually don't know if I did the right thing yeah you know, you know yeah. somebody please reassure me <laughs> Yeah, because like when he starts out the page, he's being self pitying, mm-hmm. but now I think he's actually starting to feel guilty. Yeah, I don't think he was in panel one, but by panel seven, I think he is start feeling guilt there. But I don't mm-hmm. know. And I love that in panel three, John doesn't lie to mm-hmm. Adrian, but he doesn't tell him the whole truth. Yeah, I doubt he'll reach civilization. Speaking of Rorschach, he doesn't say, "Yeah, yeah, he's the blood stain in the snow out there." Yeah. You know, it's like, that's interesting for John, who normally deals in absolutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So page 28, we kind of reach the epilogue. Uh, We are at Sally Jupiter's uh, place, condo, apartment, whatever this is. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, she's answering the door. It's Christmas. 
it's Christmas. And, uh, you know, there's peace on Earth because, you know, <laughs> alien squid. And, you know, somebody is knocking on her door and it's uh, a, a middle-aged uh, blonde couple. <laughs> With a mustache. <laughs> uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Hollis are here to see you. And tell us, I don't know what you... Oh, Mr. and Mrs. Hollis, yes, of course. These are the, my bestest friends ever. Please come inside. <laughs> and the first thing she does is shut on Lori's haircut. Right. <laughs> I thought you were dead. Who did that to your hair? <laughs> you look like a waitress. Oh my god. You horrible, horrible person. And I love to again, this is just one of those one of those little moments. She's watching the outer limits. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're you know, they're coming up next on the outer limits. And, and, you know, as we, you know, get the reveal of Dan and Laurie in their, you know, their bleached hair and, and their new look, Robert Culp is physically transformed by the architects of fear. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, a little. <laughs> uh, one of the, the funnier examples of, of that. Yeah. Book. Uh-huh. And do you know, was that a real episode? The Outer Limits was never my thing. I don't know that episode specifically, okay. but I know Robert Culp okay. is in all kinds of that sort of thing. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> Mother, shut up. <laughs> we're here to let you know that we're not dead. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, this, this, this was Dan. Now we're Sam and Sandra Hollis. <laughs> Are you rich? <laughs> <laughs> and Dan knows exactly what to do. Oh, I'm a fan from way back. <laughs> oh, yes. We like this one, yes. <laughs> um, you know, Sally wants to give presents and just sort of not talk. And Lori tells her, I, I found out who my dad was. And that just shocks Sally into knocking this shit off. And she doesn't deny it. She immediately says, I'm sorry, it just—it was just one of those things that just happened. And, uh, I wanted to be angry, but you know, I—I I felt I was ashamed. I felt stupid. Laurie forgives her, and I understand you—you you, you know, you, you tried. You—you you, you tried to do right by me, and I love you. And Dan is uh, reading Sally's porno comic. <laughs> <laughs> And he admits that actually, I used to have a copy of this. <laughs> he says, "Well, you have it. I, I know. Oh, like, like she's tickled by the fact that you know he used to used to get off on a drawing of her. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and Lori's already annoyed by this entire thing. They've been there for two minutes, and she's like, <laughs> "I don't know, man." <laughs> well, I, I love panel eight. I guess it would be right yeah. where I 
not just because it looks like a panel straight out of Preacher. Like I could see Steve oh Dillon drawing God, that. Yeah. You know, that is that is Tulip looking out a window while Jesse and Cassie are fucking around in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but more than that, it's like she's afraid the government is looking. Like there's, a, she she says, I get nervous waiting around. Mm-hmm. They've I clearly changed their identities, physical and well, their actual identities. So they're they're hiding. They're in hiding, and she's. I, I, you get the sense that she's afraid that the feds or someone might be watching who's who's coming to this woman's condo. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's she, they need to fucking disappear. But this was a stop they had to make for sure. her mother's sake. Absolutely. You know, and I like seeing that little bit of paranoia in that one panel. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, this is the first place they would look if they were, in fact, looking for them. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so, you know, they're walking away and. You know, Sally wants to be grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but they're talking about basically getting back into the superhero game at this point full time. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's talking about she wants to not wear the ridiculous nightgown that she's been wearing. She wants a huh. real costume that gives her some protection and a mask and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and Sally watches them go and kisses the picture of Edward on her nightstand. And we are back in New York, which is empty on page 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is just nobody on these streets. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a, a gazette. The, the, uh, the newsstand has been replaced by a vending machine. Oh, where do you see? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, panel two. Yeah, panel wow, two. yeah. You know, RR to run in 88. Now, that's interesting mm-hmm. because w- earlier, oh my God, I never drew that connection until now. Mm-hmm. Like, because they keep calling him a, like a TV cowboy or a movie cowboy, right? Right. And I know we are supposed to take that to mean Reagan. I never th- really was like, oh yeah, Robert Redford and Ronald Reagan had the same initials. Yes, they did. So it's a reference to Reagan and Redford. Oh, derp, Mike. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Okay. Because earlier in this series, they did reference that. Um, Redford was considering a bid, right? Yes, that's right. Okay, which then leads to the TV show. Okay, okay. Um, you know, we're following Seymour as he kind of walks through, walks through the streets of New York, and he's kind of walking past. You know, they're putting up posters um, promoting kinship between the U.S. and, and the Soviet Union. Um, there's a giant billboard for millennium perfume <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which i know we'd, we'd seen them talk about in in the back matter in the last couple issues yeah uh, sort of the you know a, a a scent for for all people not just a perfume for women or a cologne for men mm-hmm. you know so we're bringing people together apparently through perfume yeah he he's stepping on old newspapers is an old copy of tales from the morgue <laughs> mm-hmm and he's back at the office of the New Frontiersman, where Godfrey is just laying it to him for being him, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, one more thing: you, the graffiti is now more. It's it's not anarchy. It's not who watches the Watchmen. It's happier graffiti. Yes. New Deal. The, the I, I know you know like the, the 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 loop, the ribbon loop that can be colored for whatever. Uh, um, 
you know, pink for cancer, red for AIDS, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we got that quantum, watch the skies, mm-hmm. like in the second to last panel, all of the graffiti that was inside this place before is now painted over. Yeah. We see panel one, the guy mopping away or painting over the Hiroshima couple. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's not just fewer people. It's like this city is, we we see through these little through the graffiti that the city the spirit of the city has turned around in some regard mm-hmm. even though obviously they're still in mourning right as they would be absolutely mm-hmm. um, a little close up on I, one of the the little details that I notice is the close up on Seymour sneakers has the uh, the white logo on them oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but he he gets to. He gets to the office and, and Godfrey says, three million New Yorkers died and you weren't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Douche. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, he came back for lunch. You know, I had to I had to go to the burgers, but don't say it. I'll eat from there if I have to, but I will not have Russian spoken in this office. Because the Gunga Diner has been replaced by burgers and borscht. <laughs> um, and so, you know... You know, Godfrey's yelling at him. You know, you gotta, you got, you got two more pages to fill. You know, we have an accord, so we basically, you know, we have to stop using our paper to just yell at the Soviet Union for four pages every week. Um, you know, we're they're our friends now, so apparently we need to be nice to them. <laughs> so we have to do a whole new issue. Um, you know, get me some filler. And you know, this is where Seymour mentions that Robert Redford is who's going to be running in president. Mm-hmm. Going to be running for president in '88. Mm-hmm. And he says, "No, that's ridiculous. We're absolutely not going to do that." And so Seymour says, "Okay, well, I guess I'll just yank something from the crank file." And um, you know, while he's doing that, he's eating his burger, and the ketchup spills on his happy face T-shirt as he reaches for Rorschach's journal. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with, it would be a stronger world, a stranger loving world to die in. Oh, no, I'm sorry. A stronger world, a stronger loving world to die in. Uh, John Cale. And the, the the hands of the clock are at midnight. Mm-hmm. And that's Watchmen. There is no back matter for this last issue. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was okay. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> also, also, <laughs> if you have the digital copy, the you, you go to the back cover, and they've got you know quotes from you know it's one of Time Magazine's 100 best English language novels, Washington's Peerless, is Rolling Stone, New York Times Book Review, Village Voice, USA Today. The last thing, the greatest piece of popular fiction ever produced, says Lost co-creator Damon Lindelof. <gasps> Oh damn! (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's interesting. Right? Do you know when your edition, your Kindle edition, is from? I don't offhand. Because I'm assuming that was done well before he was associated with the show. I would think so. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if there's a indicia here on the 2008. Oh, yeah, so no yeah. way he would have been anywhere near it. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool little coincidence, that. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot the... You forgot... There's one more on there, though? A fun rump? A fun rump. <laughs> Earth2.net. Earth yeah. <laughs> oh, was that Dubs? That was Dubs, right? That... 
Yeah, I think that was Dubs. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, like, we have, like, I think two pull quotes. One is on the darkness levels. That was Dez. Mm -hmm. And the other one was Iron Man Enter the Mandarin. And it's just a fun romp, (laughs) Earth2.net. Yes! Somebody liked this book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyways, yeah, so what are you thinking of this issue overall here? Obviously, you know, and obviously, I mean, we've given our thoughts as Watchmen as a whole as we've gone along, but we can sum them up a little, I think, so. What do I think of this issue? Um, I mean, it ties everything up. I don't know, honestly, mm-hmm. that I'm super crazy about this issue. I mean, it's fine. It's oh, good. Okay. Mm-hmm. It does its job. It does what it needs to do. But because it is the issue that everything has happened, you know, mm-hmm. everything has happened. Um, this issue is basically just reacting to what has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not meeting anybody. We're not instigating any new things. Largely, this issue, like, if, if I was reading this, like, as a single issue, like, I went to the comic book store and just said, hey, I'm hearing good things about this Watchmen book, mm-hmm. and bought this issue, I would have felt kind of cheated. Okay. Because this is not meant to be read as an issue, clearly. This is the last mm-hmm. 30-some pages of a much larger story. Mm-hmm. And as that, it works very well. Mm-hmm. You know? Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Because yeah. like writing for the trade wasn't really a thing in 1985, 87. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. obviously this was designed to be a very finite story and so was really kind of written that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like most of the issues did have stuff going on that merited their existence as just a single issue. But this particular one really is just wrapping up a story. But it's a good story and it wraps it up very well. Yeah, there, there's definitely issues in this run. John's origin, Rorschach's origin, that you could just pick up and go, oh, gosh, I want to see what came before this or what's going to come after this. Right. You know, I'm not saying they're definitely like starting points, mm-hmm. you know, but there's definitely single issues where you can just read them and be good with them as issues and understanding what's going on in the world. But yeah, this one, I mean, it, it would be like reading the epilogue. Right. First, you know, yeah. so, and that's, that's that's yeah that would be that'd be a weird thing to do mm-hmm. i know some people would might do that but yeah but yeah me overall as an epilogue i really do enjoy this mm-hmm. um from the silent first couple of pages just taking in all of the horror yeah that we see around us you know with so many of the bodies that we see are the bodies of people we've come to know not necessarily love mm-hmm. but come to know and saw little pieces of their personal lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the longs at home. We saw um, uh, the, the the cab driver. Uh, I mentioned her earlier. Joey? Joey and her girlfriend and the troubles they were going through, you know. And, of course, we spent so many time, with, so much time with both the Bernie. So, we, you know, there, there, there's an impact there. You feel their loss. And then see, watching uh, midway through or so, watching Daniel and Lori come on board. Yeah, with this plan after it's been triggered, and knowing deep down the the guilt they're going to have to feel, staying quiet for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, like Morin Gibbons do an amazing job just wrapping this whole mm-hmm. thing up. You know, throughout the series, there were some, maybe some pacing issues. Thinking specifically the Mars issue, um, where that was just a bit 
is a touch long. Yeah, <laughs> you know. That's true. But this one I think is paced perfectly and just yeah, just just brings everything to its natural conclusion. And I, I like these last couple of pages where we get to see it's Christmas and now we're approaching the new year and it's you know the the world is recovering for, for, from this the, the, this mess mm-hmm. that almost was World War Three and that Veet um, or Veit, uh, uh caused with his stupid squid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thinking back to something you asked me, either last episode or in episode ten. You asked me if I thought this plan would work mm-hmm. in 1985. Like, just attacking New York, mm-hmm. would the world come around to saying, oh, we embrace you, peace, la, 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 right? Mm-hmm. My opinion has been slightly changed by the TV show, and that's unfair, Okay, I think. Because what we see in the TV show with the squid still raining down, like the little ones, mm-hmm. like, if that kept happening, I can say, oh, yeah, because then there's always the constant reminder that this could happen again. Right. But that's the TV show informing something from 1986-87, you know. But I'm still not sure this plan would work long term if there wasn't some sort of follow-up like the little squids raining down periodically. Right. So has your uh, opinion of would this plan work changed? Um, I'm not sure that it has. Uh Um, Although I think that, as you say, the fact that the TV show has introduced the element of the periodic reminders. Mm-hmm. I think that that does add a little something to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can't really deny that. I think without actually talking about the TV show, cause I know we're not really prepared to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that the TV show indicates that there were going to always be, side effects and results that you never could have foreseen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, like, it, it was never going to be tied up as neatly as Adrian seems to think it's going to be. Right. Here. You know, Adrian very clearly thinks that things are going to go relatively smoothly at this mm-hmm. point. And I don't think, obviously, that's that's just not realistic in the slightest. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to something I had mentioned again. Uh, I think it was episode eleven, where he he idolized uh, Alexander the Great for cutting the knot. But I had said that doesn't solve the problem. Right. And what Adrian does doesn't solve the problem. There's still going to be social ills. There's still going to be people who butt heads over political differences. And whether it's a year or a hundred years from now, we're going to be back in the same damn place where he thinks cutting the knot solves it and everything is just going to be hunky-dory for the rest of humanity. And it's like, that's that's not how humans work. And I, I like the fact that in the short term this works, but we don't know, and especially because John's little cryptic fuck you before he walks away, <laughs> lays the seed for us not knowing if this will work long term, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying, and going back to the TV show real quick, I'm not saying you have to consider that canon. Mm-hmm. I, I understand people are like, here's the comic. This is canon. The TV show. I don't consider that a continuation. Mm-hmm. There's, there's even people who could say, I don't even consider before Watchmen, 
you know, uh, a predecessor mm-hmm. to this, a prequel to this. That's, that's you know, you could absolutely look at this and say, this is just the story. Sure. And that, that's all you want. So I'm not saying because of the little things we saw in the TV show, it should inform this. That's why I say it was unfair absolutely. to let the TV show inform this in my own mind. Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I'm right now putting my foot down and saying that the TV show is a canon continuation of this story. Right. I enjoy it. I'm perfectly happy for it to be that. But... But it does address, to my mind, the point of saying, here are some things that maybe hadn't been thought about. Mm-hmm. So, based on that, I'm happy to take that on board. I'm not operating under the idea that what we're here to do is to consider that a sequel to this story. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anything else to say before we talk about what's coming next? Well, I mean, we could just talk about this thing as a whole. Um Sure. Obviously, this has kind of gone down in comics history as be all end all greatest story ever trademark. Um, rereading it now with a kind of more critical eye, I'm not prepared to suggest that this isn't the greatest or one of the greatest stories ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask you as you kind of, again, read it with a more with an eye towards paying more attention to things that are going on to it. Mm-hmm. What do you, like, what do you walk away from it? Like, are you, you know, do you have a better understanding of it? Do you wish that we'd gotten more of this? Do you wish that people had taken different lessons from this in the years that came <laughs> after? That's a very leading question, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Scratches chin. Yeah. What do you mean by I that? I know. Um, Starting with the, <laughs> the leading question, yeah. I do wish people took away different things from this, but not just this. Yeah. Also, year one. Also, The Dark Knight Returns. You know, all so many of the comics that were coming out at this time inspire. Without this, you don't really get image. Or if you do get image comics, it's a completely different beast. Right. You know what I mean? In terms of the type of stories they think they're telling there um and i don't mean any disrespect to image especially early days but nah, you, you know what i'm talking I, about you know i do know what you're talking about and i'm perfectly happy to disrespect <laughs> the early days of image <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i i really wish what people would have taken away from this was how literary comics could be instead of taking away a literal sense of what they were doing here and I didn't mean to make a pun off the word literary mm-hmm. literally. Sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I wish they'd have said, oh, this is what we can do with the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, look at the look look at Rorschach, he's so cool. Or look at Rorschach, he's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to keep shitting on Rorschach and his fans, I really don't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just it it just clearly the wrong lessons were taken away from this by young storytellers. I I I, I think that then wound up influencing the medium for a long time. And we've only really kind of come out of that. We still see hints of it mm-hmm. in, in other comics, you know, where the, I hate to use the phrase, I was trying to step around it, but the whole grim dark is cool. Mm-hmm. That That's not cool nor mature. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from with that question. What, what about you? I'm kind of right there with you. I think that mm-hmm. for a lot of people, a lot of comic fans, a lot of comic creators, especially One's on the younger side. People read Watchmen and other books that kind of came out around the same time that were kind of 
pushing similar buttons and walked away from it. Oh, this is cool. You know, we can tell grown-up stories where grown-up stories means guns and blood and boobs and cuss words, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> right. You know, these are things that we can have that make our stories grown-up and cool, where, in fact, those things were kind of a side effect of telling a more adult, more intelligent story. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like... Morin Gibbons sort of sat down and said, okay, we're going to do superheroes, but in the real world. What would that mean? And the fact is that if you're going to tell a story about people who put on masks and beat up strangers who terrorize people in bars, there's going to be a lot of violence. There's going to probably be quite a bit of sex. There's going to be, you know, all this blood and and just... All of this is the things that have to happen if you're going to realistically tell the story. Mm-hmm. They are not the you know the ends of that that you're going towards. They are just a means to get to the story mm-hmm. and to get across the point of what it is that it is not healthy to put on a mask and go to a bar and terrorize drunk homeless people. Mm-hmm. You know that is not a healthy thing for people to do. Um. And far too many people took the wrong lessons from that. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, there were exceptions, but I think that this coincided with a period of time when comics were less being marketed towards kids and more being marketed towards teenagers, mm-hmm. like, like right around that same time. So I think that the fact that this was quote unquote subversive held a lot of appeal for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to look at the surface elements I mean the history of comics is littered with things that worked really well followed by people that didn't understand why those things worked and tried really hard to copy the aesthetics without getting what was underneath it Mm-hmm. Like one thing that I I think about, and it's got very little to do with this story. One thing that I'm always thinking about is Storanko's run on Shield. Okay, Storanko's run on Shield was mind blowing and had it changed comics forever. It really did. It was just a totally different way of doing telling stories and looking at things and playing with the medium of comics in a way that only comics could do. You know, like this panel only works if you've got two issues standing next to each other and open to the same page side by side. And you have to hold this page upside down in order to follow the maze that they're going through and things like that. Uh And Storanko's work on S.H.I.E.L.D. was truly innovative and mind blowing. And when he left, they were stuck with people that looked at him. Wow, lots of concentric circles. Look at all these mm-hmm. splash pages he used. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So clearly what we're doing is is going to work because we're doing everything that Storanko did. When in fact, all they were doing was trying really hard to make it look like him and it just didn't work. Gotcha. Okay. And I think that the late 80s, early 90s of comics was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got naked blue guys exploding people and there's blood all over the snow and... You look, they're having sex, tee-hee-hee. You know? <laughs> so it, that's unfortunate. And it shouldn't mm-hmm. take away from the fact that Watchmen itself really is as innovative as everybody says it is, folks. Right, yeah. You know. End of rant. 
<laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's something that needs to be said about this book. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we were even seeing people taking the wrong lesson from this. I mean, still to today, mm-hmm. but look at Identity Crisis. Yeah. That, you know, Brad Meltzer was like, ooh, I'll just do Watchmen, but with the real heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's rape and there's murder. It's like, oh, my God. Please don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I, I really don't mean to shit on that book because it's been a long time since I've read it straight through, but... You know, I, I just, I, yeah, everything you just said, I'm just, <laughs> I'm aiming at a bullet directly at that comic. Sure. You know, saying, so, and then that came out, what, like 15 years ago? I don't know, I think it was like more 10? recent than that. Okay. But all the same, we'll, we'll say a decade. So even yeah. up through the early two, early 2000s, it's still, we're still seeing it. Yeah. You know, absolutely we are. So, um, yeah, it yeah. really has seemed like a very concentrated, concerted effort on the part of some creators to say, Let's get away from this, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm remembering um, when Grant Morrison took over JLA in the late '90s. Uh, I remember him saying that that was a very, you know, I made a very significant decision to do a light fun book, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, you couldn't even that early days of that were pretty dark, you know. He couldn't mm-hmm. totally get away from it, but. You know, I would. I wanted to do a story about these superheroes smiling and punching bad guys in the face and saving the world because we've had so many, you know, just years and years of pockets and guns and people named Bloodspot and <laughs> War Blood and you know, mm-hmm. you know, Scream Knife and you know, just whatever, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. I, and and to this day, I mean, there's books that I will pick up just because it looks like it looks like the author's having so much fun with it, mm-hmm. you know, um, because there's plenty, you know, and I think there's more room on the shelves now for different things, which is awesome. Right. But, um, yeah, though, there's definitely people that still look at Watchmen and see, you know, you know, I get to have cuss words in my story. Yeah, I would say that. And maybe it was because I was sort of in the indie scene periphery mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago here through through friends and whatnot. I, I think independent comic creators mm-hmm. took away, not as a whole, but in a greater way, the b- better lessons from this. Mm-hmm. And how they could portray normal people in comics with normal problems. Sure. And get rid of the capes. Because like, if you get rid of all the cape stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of the squid. Let's say this story takes place on the brink of World War Three, mm-hmm. so that still exists. And now imagine we're following Dan and Lori on their date, and they're they're talking about what's going on in the world. Like you see that kind of stuff in independent comics, mm-hmm. the slice of life comics. Yeah, we'll see. You know, and it's it's fascinating to see what indie comics took away from this, almost more so than what superhero mainstream comics took away from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly you would recommend this to somebody that had never read it before. I would, mm-hmm. and I would feel a touch safer recommending it to people who had never read superhero comic books before mm-hmm. if they have watched the Marvel movies. Sure. I'm not sure I would recommend the DC movies. I'm not shitting on those movies. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm saying the Marvel movies is because there is a cohesive universe from Iron Man mm-hmm. 
up through. I know Spider Man and whatnot has come up. Like Spider Man was that the last the one? Last one was Spider Man, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to exclude Spider-Man, but from, from what you call it, Iron Man through Endgame, there is a clear narrative where we get to see, super, we get to have silly superhero fun, but then it gets serious in Civil War and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and obviously it ends up on this grand scale with Infinity War and Endgame. And in the middle there, the reason I specifically mentioned Civil War and uh, uh, Winter Soldier is because they start to talk about it in the real war, world mm-hmm. with the Accords, and oh my god, this guy's a spy... A Russian spy, but and he might, you know, he killed my parents, but he's now trying to be a good guy. They're, they're trying to deal with it in a real world way. So if you've seen those movies, but never touched a superhero comic before, I think you'd have an easier time going into this than if you went in completely as a blank slate in terms of superhero comics and movies. Yeah, I think that we are in a place now where people are more familiar with these concepts than they ever have been. Uh huh. You know? Um, you know, you don't have to be steeped in 20 years of superhero comics to understand the tropes that are being talked about here mm-hmm. because everybody has seen a Marvel movie, you know? Right. You know, yeah. they've just, you know, permeated pop culture in a way that really, I don't know, has ever been seen before. No, I, I really can't think of it. No. I mean, there have been individual examples like that. I mean, 89 was everywhere, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. But not this not for so long and not I mean as homogenous as the Marvel universe can be it all is also very diverse in 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 uh-huh. the te- in the stories it tells I'm believing they got work to go in the other sense of the word uh-huh. but uh, in terms of you know this is a comedy and this is a you know there's something for everybody mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. everybody is familiar with with this world now and so people will pick up on things that they maybe wouldn't have picked up on 10 years ago right so mm-hmm. also it's just really good <laughs> right <laughs> it really is that good folks <laughs> mm-hmm. so we should probably talk a little bit about about um where this is kind of going to go from here where's it going from here dan well we don't know exactly um, <laughs> <laughs> just pull the curtain back a little bit we this was originally envisioned as kind of a 13-part series, we were going to do the movie as kind of the last episode of this series. As we sit here and finish this, we are deep in the throes of the holiday season. (laughs) Uh, There is little to no chance that either Mike or I are going to be able to watch the movie in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So... There's not going to be an an episode next week, folks. (laughs) Right. Um, However... We both are. We're going to do the movie. It's just not going to be right away. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Uh, and we're going to be doing it in a way that we think holds to the spirit of how we've been doing this. So we're excited mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Now, as for all the other Watchmen stuff out there, um, just to off the top of my head, we're talking about we've got before Watchmen. There's Doomsday Clock, and there's the button before that. And oh, I forgot about the button. The button wow. Yeah. Right? You know. Uh, yeah. There's the TV show, obviously. I just saw that the the RPG stuff, the RPG material, is coming mm-hmm. out as a hardcover book next month as we record this. No way. It's called The Watchmen Companion, and they're releasing it as a hardcover book. Whoa. Because uh, those PDFs are still sitting on our shared Dropbox. Yes, they are. Whoa. It's going to get an official, no, a, mo- a modern official. Yes. Ne- nice. Yeah, so... 
so there's there's more stuff out there. We are as I my you know and my understanding of how we've talked about this is we have not made any commitment to actually doing any of it. Right. Uh but I think we're both open to it. I am absolutely open to covering things beyond the movie. Yeah. Um as I was mentioning a little earlier, you know like I'm mentioning before Watchmen, you know. I'm like I, I wouldn't mind covering that, but if we don't, that's okay because I, I don't necessarily consider it canon. So, <laughs> sure. yeah, and that's just it. You, know, you know, if you kind of look at them from, you know, here's more stuff that doesn't actually contradict what's in these twelve issues. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, right? I'll read it. I'll pro- maybe I'll enjoy it. Maybe I won't. I'll be honest with you. I've got a copy of the Before Watchmen omnibus on my shelf. I'm looking at it right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've even taken the shrink wrap off it yet. Oh, if, okay. If you do the Darwin Cook artwork, as always, because oh, it's Darwin yeah. Cook, is is worth at least admiring. I will say that mm-hmm. of of that. But yeah, it's. I don't mean to be like dismissive mm-hmm. of the other things. In my mind, we've done Watchmen, mm-hmm. and we're gonna do the movie, and that's a complete set to me, right? You know, and where we go f- beyond there. You know, we just as, as you said, we just we just kind of have to see. We just kind of have to. Uh, we just have to take it as it goes. Is that a phrase? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, we are definitely open to doing more of this. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think chances are pretty good we will be doing more of this at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to put it right now so it's out there. I am not entirely sure how I would do the Watchmen TV show if I was going to do it. Because, hey, folks, pull up a chair and I'm going to tell you what I think about racism is not a show that I think anybody wants to listen to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, insofar as I think it's an amazing show and I love it and I would love to talk about it, except that I'm not sure I'm the guy to do it. Mm-hmm. But, again, we will see what happens when it happens, as it happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, that's entirely fair. Like... I like when we were talking about this. I, th- I think through emails or DMs. No, it would have been emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you were like two white guys in their forties talking about the Watchmen TV show. That's going to be a little, mm-hmm. hmm. yeah, could be problematic. Would be problematic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. But we'll it's, see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's others. I mean, there's lots of you know other stuff. This is just me shooting off the top of my head. I'd be very surprised if we didn't look at Doomsday Clock at some point. Yeah, I don't think we would do it in this issue-by-issue format, but that's coming from someone who hasn't read it all the way through. And as of this recording, issue 12 just came out this past Wednesday. So that literally just finished. So, And I only read the first maybe three or four issues, if I'm being generous. I'm not entirely sure I even got that far. Um, But I, I wouldn't... I would like to cover that at some point on here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, w- I would just say if people who are listening to this like what Dan and I were doing here and you want to continue to listen to us, there's Earth2.net the show, mm-hmm. which is just a general catch-all geek podcast. Mostly Dan and I do older comics. <laughs> um, not always older, but you know, we, we, we do do some more modern stuff. But like we have our Earth 2 in 1 segment, which covers Marvel 2 in 1, along with, I just lost the name. I want to say Showcase, and I know that's not it. The Brave and the Bold. The Bold. That's it. I knew if I yammered long enough, I'd remember the other <laughs> comic. Um, 
So if you want to hear us continue covering comics, that's where you can go. If you want to hear us talk about Star Trek, there is The Edge of Forever. If you want to hear us talk about Doctor Who, there's Bigger on the Inside, which will be returning relatively soon in early 2020. And do we have another show that I'm forgetting? Well, I mean, we've <laughs> we got so other segments on, on on the show. Sure. We've got All mm-hmm. We Had, and we've got... Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just general, you know, looking at other comics. Like, we did... Hawkworld not that long ago. That's right. Yeah, which again ties mm-hmm. into what because we mentioned that 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 was an ex- excellent example of a book that w- looked at Watchmen and took the right lessons from it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, plus, I mean, I again, not to give it a short shrift, is, is that you know Earth Two is a kind of general catch-all, and there's lots of other con- contributors, not just the two of us. Oh yeah, yeah. It goes well beyond us yeah. in terms of. Um, what do you call it? The, the, the content that is on that show. That's one of the things, and this is not me patting myself on the back, that I love about that show and producing that show mm-hmm. is that it's not just my voice, it's not just your voice. Right. There are so many different eclectic voices. Is eclectic the right word? Sure. Like on that show, you've got so many different vantage points going on over there. So, yeah, that's that's really where you can continue to follow us. But as Dan said, when it comes to this programming, after this episode, it'll be, I don't know if I want to say a few weeks, I don't want to put any sort of timestamp on it, but keep, stay subscribed to this podcast, watch the RSS feed, and you will get episode 13 in which Dan and I will be discussing the, is it 2009 or 2007? 2009. 2009 Watchmen movie directed by one Zack Snyder. And if you can't wait for that, you know, there's there's an, an episode of the show where we talk about the return of the Incredible Hulk where he teams up with Thor. Yes. <laughs> and that was awesome. <laughs> yes, it was. I got to get the number so people can download that one right now. All we had is just such a fun segment. <laughs> I know. Do you want to, while I look this up, do you want to kind of explain what that yeah, is? All or? we had is we look at comic book movies that came out before the kind of Iron Man renaissance of comic book movies. Mm. Where it's like, you know what? This kind of sucks, but we still enjoyed it because. <laughs> 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 uh, which which episode of the Hulk was or which special was that uh, that was the return of the Hulk we also did the trial of the Hulk where we teamed up with Daredevil hmm. which we could cha- which we compared and contrasted with the first couple of episodes of the Netflix Daredevil show that's right yeah, yeah. 951 is the trial of the Incredible Hulk oh yeah in episode 1000 mm-hmm is where we did the return of the Incredible Is it? Hulk. Oh, right, because that was part of the the big uh, team-up. Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah, so, so okay, if you <laughs> are not familiar with episode 1000 of Earth to Net, not the show, that is a show that has 22 segments and is a 24-hour-long podcast. <laughs> Wasn't recorded in a 24-hour setting. Blah, no, yeah. but it is broken down, so... If you want to hear Dan and I talk about The Incredible Hulk Returns, in which the Hulk meets Thor, yes, that is actually 1,000.13. There's a You can listen to all of episode 1,000 in one go if you want, but 1,000.13 is the official one. And it, that was just a blast. I mean, just, just, just download and listen to that one for the moment where Hulk, excuse me, where Thor greets someone at the door shirtless with a beer in his hand. <laughs> actually, we did a lot of stuff in that, you and I. We did. Yeah, because we had we had the the, the the flash of two worlds. Yeah. We had the crisis in infinite earths. Yeah. Um, yeah. Batman sixty six meets the Green Hornet. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Mm-hmm. 
man. And I did one with Will. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Star Trek yep. X-Men. Oh, yes. Oh, that was fun. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. McCoy. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if uh, people want to uh, argue with us about what we think of Watchmen or get us... You know, Get us promoting ourselves on Earth2.net, the show. Where can they get a hold of us? Well, as mentioned earlier, they can go to the Earth2.net forums, forums.earth-2.net, forums.earth-2.net. Scroll down just a touch. You'll see the 12 Minutes to Midnight subsection. Go in there and tell us what you thought about this episode specifically or Watchmen as a whole. Or if you want to hit us up on Twitter, I am Earth underscore two, Earth underscore the number two. Dan? I am Urban Spaceman 61. Thank you, as always, for joining us. And there will be a next time. So until that time, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on 12 Minutes to Midnight. This whole crazy world is just too frustrating. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. I you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. China, then take a look around to some Alabama. You may leave here for four days in space, but when you return, it's the same old place. The pounding of the drums, the pride and disgrace. You can bury your dead, but don't leave a trace. Hate your next door neighbor, but don't forget to stay.